Kia ora whanau and welcome to this week's episode of The Alicia Mackay Show where I get my big rant energy on. We are talking about the good old days, toxic positivity, overall sickness and political rhetoric that really feels like it's just been unfrozen from the late 1980s. If you could do with a rant in your life to get fired up today, this is the episode for you. Kia ora, good morning everybody and welcome to the Alicia Mackay Show. On today, Friday the 19th of August, I'm all on my own today. It's just me, Alicia Mackay, the woman whose name is on the show. Uh, Cam is off being busy doing work things um, and CV is also a busy man. So, you know, here I am and what I thought about doing this morning was playing the Alicia Rants uh, video clip that Cam made. To, I actually, look, I'm going to play it, but I just want to warn you that it becomes almost redundant because I suspect that it's going to be half the show this morning, but let's play it anyway. Right, I'm coming to you with big rant energy this week, as seems to be uh, my, my vibe. So the first thing I'm ranting about is just illness. So there's nobody to blame for this, but it's just this big sick. Every week I say, oh, it's really hard. The children never go to school. And this week has been another of those weeks where I had three of them in isolation because the dad tested positive for his second round of COVID in the weekend. And then just as I was, and just remember, I don't need to isolate because I had COVID two weeks ago before I tell the rest of this story. Uh, But just before I jumped on a plane to Hamilton on Wednesday to go and join some awesome woman at the Soda Rise Up event, uh, Harriet, my seven-year-old, tested positive for COVID and so off she went. So we're just, we're having one of those weeks where everybody's either in isolation or has COVID or doesn't feel well and only one person Uh, And my family is actually allowed to leave the house. And it's me. And it is nice. I'm glad I can leave. But it does just require a lot of supermarket trips uh, and and patience. But anyway, that's rant number one. Uh, So for any of you out there who are also battling first, second or third waves of COVID or related illnesses through your family this week, I have a lot of empathy for you. I have a lot of sympathy for you. Um, And what I think is really interesting about it is it is kind of one of those problems that there's not really an easy fix for this. So someone said to me yesterday, I mean, they're just going to have to let go of all these restrictions, aren't they? Because this is my um, this is my logic I don't agree with, mimicking voice. They're just going to have to let go of all these restrictions, aren't they? Because it's getting ridiculous. We can't keep doing this. Which I think misses a very fundamental fact or logic inside this sickness epidemic that we're now in, um, part COVID pandemic, part sickness epidemic, and that's that people can't go to work when they're sick. So I keep hearing, oh, you know, businesses can't survive this. They're just going to have to stop all this madness, as though the government themselves are actually out there sprinkling germs and COVID dust on young families around the nation. And it just misses the very fundamental point that the more we go out, the fewer restrictions we have about how we interact with our illnesses, the more sick we get and the less well we are. Healthy economies need healthy people. And we knew this at the beginning of the pandemic, and yet we seem to be forgetting it now, as though what's actually holding us back 
uh, is not waves of respiratory illness, underdeveloped immune systems, new pathogens that have arrived now that we've opened the borders uh, and COVID itself, but instead actually a series of rules that are making it difficult for us to get on. So uh, don't agree with that. Uh, next thing I'm going to rant about, oh, look, if you've tuned in and you're ready for some rant energy, you're going to love this. So I had this terrific experience on Wednesday night uh, of being lucky enough to be the guest speaker at a very cool event in Waikato. So Soda, uh, which is the regional business partner in Waikato, uh, they uh, run a nationwide accelerator uh, seed funding program for female-led businesses with global aspirations. So it's very much enterprises that have been started by women and have aspirations to scale and to look globally for exporting their product or service. They run this event where they've got people who enter their businesses to be considered for some prize money and a whole bunch of mentoring and publicity. And six finalists then have to come along to this pitch night and need to pitch to a panel of esteemed judges. Um, and then obviously a winner is chosen. It was a very cool event. And actually it was the first event I've seen that requires that many speakers, which with such short speaking timeframes, where it ran to time. Now it then in the finish did not run to time, but that was because the judges spent a bit longer making their decision. And fair enough, that needs to happen. But to have six speakers stand up on stage and an MC and a couple of guest speakers and everybody to have short slots and still for the thing to run on time, oh, that is magic. That's very rare. Anyway, in the audience, that, that was all sort of quite rambling uh, and detailed context for the story I wanted to tell you, which is that while it was a female uh, women in business event, there were lots of men in the audience, which is great, right? So there were partners and friends, there were dignitaries, investors, sponsors. So it was a really diverse room and that was great. It was really cool. I got to talking to a few of these dudes who, who you know, made a point of telling me just how good they th they thought it was that we're doing this sort of thing, um, which I was pretty tolerant about. I'm like, that's well-meaning and only mildly condescending. Oh, it's good, isn't it? Because they're actually pretty good women at sometimes at business. I knew a woman who had a good business once. This is good. We should do more of this. Uh, and a couple of people telling me how useful it is to have alternative points of view uh, in business as though the group that makes up 50% of the population might be considered alternative. But again... I'm okay with that. The thing that really needled me when I was having a conversation with a very powerful man in the audience who has a lot of responsibilities and um, public profile was that rant about the good old days. You know the good old days, everyone. So I got a, um, I got a rant about the, the, the good old days from a wonderful man in the audience who proceeded to tell me that things had just gotten... Not just had things gotten bad um, for kids, he was worried about kids, but things had just gotten so complex, so needlessly complex. And, and he led me on this wonderful narrative journey and he said, you know, in my day, in my day when, when we were kids, you know, we'd come home from school, we'd all walk home from school, there was none of this stranger danger. We all walked home from school and we'd get home and we'd have a peanut butter sandwich, you know, and a glass of milk. And then mum would ring the bell 
and we'd all go off to play, all of us from across the neighbourhood and the streets, and we'd all play and it was just like, I assume they were frolicking at this point in the in the rose-tinted, nostalgic uh, story that I'm being told. I assume the children are frolicking at, at will. And he said, we'd all play until it got dark and then we knew it was time to go home. So we went home and we'd have lamb and veggies for dinner because back then, you know, there were sheep everywhere. You could afford lamb. Lamb was the poor man's meat. We weren't rich, but we could have lamb. And he said, nowadays, oh, nowadays kids can't have any of this. You know, they can't walk home because of all of this sort of strange danger. It's really unsafe. And, and oh, there'd be no peanut butter sandwich because they'd, they'd have a nut allergy and a gluten allergy in the house, so they wouldn't be allowed that. Schools aren't even allowed peanut butter anymore. Did you know that, Alicia? I said, God, you're joking me. Don't Can't they? Wow. And then he said, you know, and then there'd be a lactose incident for the milk and and then nobody plays together anymore and the diets have, have gone to, to garbage and it was just simpler, you know. We didn't have to worry about all these all these issues and now children, yeah, they've got allergies and anxiety and it's just, oh, it's mad, isn't it? And I, I did my best, Tim. I really did my best because I was wearing a dress and lipstick and I was the guest speaker and it was my responsibility to um, to show up in a way that was really quite polite. And and I did. I did politely shout this wonderful man down uh, when I said, look, mm, that's sort of a misnomer, isn't it, the good old days? I mean, it's not that um, people with allergies and poor people and, and, and disabled people um, – didn't exist. It's just that you didn't have to worry about them. So the world was designed exclusively for a simple life and anybody who didn't fit the mould, they just had to suffer in silence, didn't they? Right? So everybody who the world wasn't made for and couldn't eat the same food or couldn't go to the same place, they just, you didn't you didn't have to know about them. So I, I think it's probably more that now you have to, sort of complicate your life with worrying about people's needs that aren't exactly the same as yours? Could, could, could you say that is maybe what's changed since the good old days? Um, and it sort of went, mm, yeah, but it's the, it's the nutrition, isn't it? It's just, it's the diet. That's what's gone wrong for kids these days. And I said, yes, yeah, that's probably what it is. And so that particular um, sense of beautiful nostalgia about the good old days always gives me a giggle. I mean, because from a really basic point of view, children kind of don't know what's going on. And so um, if you're moving through the world as a child, even quite an aware one, life is inevitably going to seem simpler than it is when you're an adult, right? It's really depressing, isn't it, when you get into adulthood and recognise that there are so many complexities and complications involved that it's not what you had thought it would be when you were a child, which is where you just get to stay up as late as you want and eat as many lollies as you can and have heaps of money, uh, that in fact you do get money but then you're not allowed it because it's got places to go uh, and you could stay up as late as you want but you do suffer for that the next day and while you can live on exclusively birthday cake, uh, you don't really want to anymore because like it doesn't really agree with you. And so obviously adulthood is not what you dream it would be when you're a child but by the same notion, looking back on childhood is, is, is obviously going to, to have a world that seems simpler and easier and nicer to be part of because you were a kid. Uh, not only that, you know, we've got all this wonderful nostalgia and rose-tinted glasses that tells us things were much better than they were. Uh, and so just this idea 
um, which is just a little bit, just a little bit make America great again, isn't it? As a um, as a rhetoric, you know, let's take things back to when you could just have whatever you wanted and you didn't have to worry about all these sort of pesky pains in the bum with all their um, allergies and poverty and um, diversity. Um, this I, I don't feel great about it. And if it's coming out of people in the government, uh, which it was, by the way, then I think that's really concerning because that's not how we want to live. On my rants, uh, we've got equal opportunity bipartisan rants today because not only are we ranting about ministers in the current government uh, harking back to a good old days that never existed, but we've also got um, the leader of the opposition, leader of the National Party, who I'm now starting to think was not the former chief executive of Air New Zealand as first thought, but perhaps was cryogenically frozen in the image of Muldoon in the late 80s and has emerged. So the National Party have gone, well, we've run out of leaders, you know. So we had this Simon Bridges situation. It didn't go very well. Uh, Nobody really wants the job. We're not confident about it. What should we do? And somebody sort of put their hand up and went, don't worry about it. Like, we have a plan B. We've got one we prepared earlier. We actually froze someone um, about 30 years ago just in case we ever ran out um, of leaders, should we should we get him? Should we get the the backup leader? And they went, oh, I guess we could give him a go. Do you, do you think he needs much of a briefing about how things have changed since the late eighties? And um and they went, no, no, he'll be fine. Like just just get him to say whatever he said last time he was in politics and see what happens. So they freeze this dude who we're now being told is Christopher Luxon. And I'm very suspicious. And then he gets out there and he's like, you know what we need to do? We need to bash beneficiaries. You know who are bad? Bottom feeding poor people. You know what we need to do with all of this sort of um, youth vulnerability? Um, Get tough on crime. We need to force them into work. Um, And he's out there saying things like, essentially, poor people are lazy. uh, Young people are terrible and unmotivated. Uh, and we need to just punish people harder because what this country is lacking is discipline, um, not systems free of bias and discrimination. So, wow, how good is that? It's really like getting into a time machine, which is lovely because, I mean, I was only born in 1988 and I never got to experience what it was like um, to to be alive then. And so in some ways I'm really thankful um, to to the current leader of the National Party for giving me a window into what political rhetoric was like uh, when I was just a baby. Uh, And also, for goodness sake, really? Is that how we're going to play in 2022? I mean, I I, I don't want to be too political here because actually I think there's a number of things that we need the opposition to be holding the government to account for. There's a bunch of really solid, credible platforms that the opposition could currently be taking around housing, around income redistribution, around working conditions, around how we treat essential workers, what's happening with some of our unions. There are so many useful things that we could be having discussions about in the political arena that really take the government to task. And instead of doing that, we're just going to pick on the pause? Like, oh, like I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm sad about it. Uh, so, look, those were most of my most of my rants today. We have covered off um, just sickness in general, which I think might be a fairly popular thing to rant about. 
Uh, we then had a little bit of a discussion around uh, the good old days and people who were so disconnected from the reality of lived experiences other than their own that they hark back to a fake nostalgia that never existed, where they had the uncomplicated power but also uh, didn't have to deal with the complications of accounting for anybody else's needs. Um, so that was that was a good rant. We've also had a rant about um, this tough-on-crime, uh, people-are-lazy-and-stupid rhetoric. I mean, if it was that easy, it would have worked by now, wouldn't it? Right? If it was, If the problem with young people, with people in poverty, was just that they needed uh, stronger characters and better discipline. It kind of would have worked by now. And it hasn't. And it hasn't because pointing fingers at people is lazy and easy and stirs up something in us that we like, right? It's the same part of our personality that kind of really enjoys watching, you know, a Jeremy Springer or, or um is it Jeremy? Oh, Jerry Springer and Jeremy Kyle and those kind of TV shows that really kind of profit from the mess of other people's lives because we get to feel a little bit superior even when we're struggling. Um, and also because it's an awful lot harder to acknowledge, particularly in politics, that it's not as simple as changing one policy or, or fixing one thing, that actually we've got systems of discrimination that are embedded in all of our institutions and all of our society that makes it really difficult to feel good and do well and get ahead if you are born into poverty, that it is significantly more difficult to succeed in life if you are disabled or a woman or Māori or Pacifica or a foster kid or a queer kid, right? And that when you start layering those different concerns one upon the other, it becomes extremely difficult. And that the way we treat our young people and our not-so-young people who do start sliding into the perfectly reasonable um, channels of addiction and crime because they don't have any money and they're not being looked after, uh, that the solution is then to just be meaner to them. Because as we know, if you're mean enough to people, they will eventually change in a really positive way not. So that really, it really just, it really annoys me. Um, and so I'm going to close on a final rant today. I think we're going to call this the rant session because I think that's maybe four, but I'm going to, I've got one more. I've got one more and it's just a little one. Like it's not a fully formed one, but the other thing that's been bothering me um, for a long time, but I had um, a Wednesday Wisdom Reader write in about it last week and request an article about it. So I, th there will be an article coming about it. But uh, this reader said, look, what do you think about cruel optimism, you know, or, or toxic positivity, where positive thinking is kind of extolled as the, the ultimate solution for all of the ills in your life? Um, and, and what do you think that, that does to people? And so I do have an allergy to the toxicity of the power of positive thinking or this kind of cruel optimism that this particular reader was writing about. And I think that's in a really ha-ha space when, you know, you go to like a motivational speech or you open somebody's curated Instagram feed or they've shared a quote on their LinkedIn and it's often pastel because we've coded this positive thinking as feminine. And when we code it as feminine, we then get to be even more disparaging to it actually. Whereas when a man says, it's about your mindset, people are like, hmm, mindset, interesting, smart. Um, 
But this whole, if you would, what what the power of positive thinking says or toxic positivity messages around just think better, be more grateful, um, just be happier. If you've got the right mindset, your life will be better. And it's not that I take issue with the prospect of personal agency and personal responsibility to shape your own reality. I'm a huge believer in that. But there's this kind of hidden shadow side in that messaging, isn't there, that says, because it's you that's not good enough. All right, So that logic taken to its final conclusion that if we're just more optimistic and more positive about things in our life, they'll be better is actually like things are fine, right? The world is fine. The system is fine. You should probably be a little bit better, right? The reason your life isn't great is because you're not thinking positively enough. And that really shits me actually, because that is very rarely the case. And so what it also does is it excuses the accountability or responsibility of those who are in power and do need to do more to make our society and our workplaces and our families more equitable and to give people a better shot. We go, no, it's not that. Um, The reason you're struggling um, isn't because of, you know, your health or the barriers you're facing or the inequitable load that you're carrying as the primary caregiver in your family. It's, It's not that. It's that you're not like grateful enough. And you're you're not just sort of positive enough. And so I I hate it. I hate it so much. It really bothers me. And I think it just, it tiptoes into victim blaming just a little bit too quickly. And I think it's a really useful rhetoric for people who then don't have to examine their own behaviour and assumptions and the systems that they're complicit in. So I think toxic positivity really grinds my gears. That said, I also believe in personal power. And so it's a really interesting kind of gray area to try and navigate of where is the line where something moves from being motivational and useful and personally empowering into just a little bit victim blamey and probably a bit unreasonable. And I'm not sure I know exactly where the line is. But one thing, and I'll, this is what I'll close with today. One thing I did say uh, when I addressed these incredible women at the Soda Rise Up event in Hamilton on on Wednesday night when we were getting ready to find out who the winner of the seed funding was and we'd had all six presentations from all six of these women. And honestly, if you've got a bit of time up your sleeve today, you should absolutely go and watch the recording of that event because it was very, very cool and there are some excellent businesses. But one thing I said when I stood up on stage there is I said, look, um, I'm definitely here to hype you tonight and it's not the kind of hashtag girl boss, positive thinking, Instagram style motivation that you might like, especially given how beautifully aesthetic this room is, which would really kind of actually match quite nicely with that. And I said, look, I I like to think of my style of positivity as a little bit more like what it's like to be in the women's bathrooms on a Friday or Saturday night at the pub. And at that point, every man went, and every woman in the audience went, ah, right? And so I'm like, what's amazing about the female toilets, the women's toilets in a pub or at an event or or in town is that irrespective of what the vibe is like out on the floor, right? So there might be a bit of competition. There might be a bit of dance. There might be a bit of like, well, here's what I'm wearing. What are you wearing? When you cross through the doors into the women's toilets at the pub or at the club, it's like a portal opens into another world, right? There is no place more supportive or positive in the world 
making this up, than the women's bathrooms at the pub because you go in there and all of a sudden the air is filled with compliments and support and you've got like someone is crying, someone is ranting, someone is fixing their makeup. And, and all women do in that space, all cattiness disappears, all competition disappears, and we just we just hype each other, right? We wipe each other's tears. Uh, best friendships are, are formed and disbanded in a matter of minutes. We, we tuck each other's tags in. We're like, you are too good for him. You are too good for him, right? Fuck that. You need to go out there. You are so hot. You are awesome. And these are women that we literally met 45 minutes ago, right? 45 seconds ago. And so that particular kind of just, I am here for you, right? It is shit. Other people are shit. You're doing your best. And I'm behind you, man. That particular kind of hype uh, that you get in, in the chick's toilets, that's my personal favorite style of, of motivation. And that's certainly what I delivered. Uh, on Wednesday night, as I then went on to give a pretty large serve about why women in business, because our businesses are significantly more profitable, especially when they're funded by venture um, backing. So a couple of quick statistics to end the show on. Uh, companies who are led by women are 35% more profitable than organisations that are managed by men. And when you add venture backing to that equation, that number goes up another 12%, right? Not only that, we are significantly less likely to get outside funding. And so our startups are more bootstrapped and self-funded. So what that means is we do an awful lot more with an awful lot less. We make a lot more money. Um, so get out your goddamn wallets, right? You need We don't need your charity. We just need your funding. We've got this. You could learn from us, right? And so that particular style of hype, which is just like, no, other people are being assholes. We're awesome. You're awesome. Let's go out there and get what we deserve. That's my personal favorite brand of uh, positivity. And that's what I would like to leave you with today, my friends, after ranting at you for a delightful half an hour this morning. And thank you for all of you who have come along on this ranting journey. I hope you took something useful from those rants this morning is that, hey, you are awesome, right? You are too good for him. Uh, and you are great. So go out there and smash your Friday. And I will see you back here next week. See you later, everyone.